This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. It is Friday. Thank goodness. I uh, couldn't come any sooner. Um, I I got to begin with a note to all of you. A uh, friend of the show and a friend of mine, Tim Keller, the pastor of Redeemer in New York City, has died. Uh, word came just a little while ago. Happened this morning. Um, I have put up on my Substack the conversation he and I had. I guess it's been two Easter's ago. Uh, he had his uh, book come out on uh, Easter and uh, triumphing over death and his battle with cancer. And if you text data to three three seven seven seven, you can get uh, behind the outside the paywall. You can get my conversation. With Tim Keller, just a just a a really dear dear person. Uh, his son said yesterday that uh, Tim said he was ready to go see Jesus, and now he gets to walk with him. Um, so there's that, and, and I, I got to tell you, it's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster here. And I wasn't going to start the show this way, but now I feel like I got to do it now and get it out of me before I go on. Um, so I, I gosh. Try not to be emotional. Uh, if you're a, I, so many of you have been listeners and friends for a decade, and you have been through these ups and downs with me since my wife seven years ago was diagnosed with lung cancer. Uh, for those of you who are new, if if you if you don't know, I think most of you do. My wife has stage four lung cancer. Uh, it is genetic. There's no cure. Uh, no cure that we know of yet. Uh, she takes a pill called Tegreso that keeps these tumors in her lungs from growing. Now, this is, there's no bad news on this phone. She had scans last week and, and everything is fine. We do have to do scans uh, every three months for the rest of her life. But, so when she was diagnosed seven years ago, she was given two years and said that the medicine would work for two years. Now, for reasons they're only just understanding because of genetic mutations, this particular medicine she's on has continued to work. And for most people, it stops after two years. When my wife was little, her mother died of breast cancer when she was in first grade. And then her aunt, her mom's sister, died of lung cancer shortly thereafter. Uh, neither of them got to see their children grow up. So seven years ago, we were at a point where Christy had two years. 
And so uh, she was recounting this morning how when uh, we moved our kid to a new school and uh, that we were trying to plan out math track and stuff, and, and she had to have a very frank conversation with the principal that that she's only got two years. She, she's not going to be around to help our kid uh, continue through her education to be able to do an advanced math track. I am clueless when it comes to math. So she was going to have to um, – the, 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 if the school put my kid on this advanced math track, then they're going to have to commit to helping her. And thankfully, we go to this small classical education school. Everyone's hands on. The principal, like, got it to that. You're 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 going to die. Um, we will make sure that your kid can get through math. That was seven years ago. So we got the email today that our kid is now officially part of the senior class. I know it sounds stupid. We did not think that Christy would get it here. Here we are. So my wife, I mean, we don't know what the future will hold, but the odds are my wife is going to see her daughter in a year to walk across the stage and get a high school diploma, something her own mother didn't see. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> Didn't expect to get that emotional about it, but yeah, so we now technically have a senior in the house. She's got a year. She finished up school, I, I guess, yesterday. The, the actual, they had the real senior graduation, and so now uh, she's technically part of the senior class, and, and now suddenly my wife gets to do all the stuff that she never expected to do and, and is so overwhelmed. She's like, I think I'm going to need Adderall or something for the next year with all the stuff we've got going on. But it's it's just, it's a milestone. It is. Uh, hopefully, she'll be there for both graduations, but uh, it appears at least, I mean, who knows what tomorrow brings, but at least she'll be able to start my kids' senior year with her and be there, so it's a big deal. So, now, all that said, let's move on to the news because we got a lot of news to talk about, and I I need to move on for for your sake and mine. Thank goodness it is Friday. All right, uh, we got to talk about this Disney stuff down in Florida uh, you know, I don't hold it against the uh, Ron DeSantis's political opponents. His political opponents, I really don't. Uh, so Mike Pence, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley—they're all out pouncing, saying, "Look at this! Look at this!" DeSantis—he's chasing business away from Florida. It, it, it's a political attack. I get it. What, what I'm disappointed by, I guess, is that it's. It's the mainstream media that is pursuing this as well. And that's the that's the frustrating part because the story really isn't that true. And and I want to take this and I want to break this down because the headline, this is the this is the New York Times headline on the story, and you've probably heard it. Disney pulls plug on one billion dollar development in Florida. And this is the sub headline. A new office complex and relocation of a division from California would have created more than 2,000 jobs, but was scuttled 
as the company and Ron DeSantis continue to feud. That's the spin from the New York Times. And in fact, it starts with this. In March, Disney called Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida anti-business for his scorched earth attempt to tighten oversight of the company's theme park resort near Orlando. Last month, when Disney sued the governor and its allies for what it called a targeted campaign of government retaliation, the company made clear that $17 billion in planned investment in Walt Disney World was on the line. That's the beginning of the story. But just let's, let's go through the story. So this is the fourth paragraph. This is how the fourth paragraph begins. The project near Lake Nona Town Center was supposed to cost $864 million, but recent price estimates have been closer to $1.3 billion. And also in that fourth paragraph, Disney had planned to relocate as many as 2,000 employees from Southern California. Now go to the fifth paragraph. Most of the affected employees complained bitterly about having to move. Some quit, but Disney held firm. Now, this was under um, this was under Bob Chapik. Bob Chapik replaced Bob Iger as CEO. Iger continued to undermine Chapik. Chapik wanted to move everybody to Florida to save money. The people didn't want to go. Some of them quit. He doubled down, continued to do it. Uh, and, and now we get to the 14th paragraph, the Lake Nona campus, about 20 miles from Disney World near the Orlando International Airport, had been championed by Bob Chapik, who served as Disney's chief executive from 2020 until he was fired last year. Mr. Iger, who came out of retirement to retake Disney's reins, was much less enthusiastic about the project. Listen to this. Even before the company became mired in its battle with Mr. DeSantis. Now, here's the 15th paragraph. Mr. Iger had been systematically reversing Mr. Chapik's decisions. In February, for instance, he announced that Disney would restructure its inner workings, eating a framework put in place by Mr. Chapik. In March, as part of wide-ranging layoffs, Mr. Iger shut down a 50-person metaverse project Mr. Chapik had started. 16th paragraph, Disney is also in the midst of cutting $5.5 billion in costs as it seeks to improve profitability, pay down debt, and restore its dividend. Later on Thursday, for instance, Disney said it would close an underperforming luxury hotel at Disney World. This is the galactic starship one where a family of four literally had to pay $6,000 for a two-day adventure. So let's start. The, the beginning of the story, I mean, none of this makes sense. It, it's all spin. The beginning of the stories about Disney cutting costs in Florida are this is about Bob Iger and Disney versus Ron DeSantis. But then when you start reading all the stories, whether it's the New York Times or CNBC or the Wall Street Journal or, or the Washington Post, what you get is Iger never liked the project in Florida to begin with. The costs ballooned to over $1.3 billion at a time Disney needs to cut $5.5 billion. None of the 2,000 people who are were going to be forced to relocate, didn't. none of them wanted to relocate to Florida anyway. They were happy in California. They did not want to leave. Some of them quit. So how is this Ron DeSantis' fault? By the way, uh, if you go to um, CNBC, you would learn that Disney is laying off 7,000 people by this summer as part of its cost savings. 
And then the Wall Street Journal adds something else. At Disney's annual meeting in early April, Bob Iger announced the company plans to invest $17 billion in Florida over the next decade and create 13,000 jobs. So they're going over the next decade to invest $17 billion in Florida and 13,000 jobs will be created. And somehow, Bob Iger shutting down a project he never liked that was uh, running over costs at a time the company's trying to save $5.5 billion and he's seen staff quit because none of them wanted to move and he didn't want to have to pay for them to move anyway, that somehow this is Ron DeSantis' fault. Look, I get that Donald Trump and Mike Pence and Nikki Haley and other people are taking it to Ron DeSantis on this. It's fair politics. And frankly, Iger has played this well. Last month, he announced all of this stuff. And then he said, you know, we may have to relook at Florida if things don't improve. And now we find out he's cutting this project. So he played it perfectly. A month ago, he seeds the idea that they're going to cut the project. Now he does. They blame Ron DeSantis. But if you actually read the New York Times, he never liked the project to begin with. He's undoing everything Bob Chapin did. The, the costs have overrun by about half a billion dollars. They've got to find a way to save $5.5 billion. And by the way, they're still going to pour $17 billion in Florida. That doesn't actually sound like Ron DeSantis had anything to do with this. And I don't mind the political opponents attacking him for it. What I do mind greatly is that the American political press, they're not interested in the facts. They're not interested in the truth. They're interested in the narrative. And right now they're so desperate for Trump to be the nominee, they'll do anything they can to stop DeSantis, including dumping this out there as if DeSantis is really to blame. And if you read every single story from the Times to the Post to the Journal, to CNBC, to Bloomberg, you actually can read the stories and realize this really isn't about DeSantis. But the framing always is, because who cares what the truth is when you can tell a political story that maybe hurts a guy that you really want to stop? Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Phone lines are open, and it is Friday, so we'll be looser on the calls. You know, the buried lead in all the emotion to start the show with it, how am I old enough to have a kid who's about to be a senior in high school? I mean, we're having to do the college tours and and start application processes, and how did I get this old? I mean, this is something that I never appreciated when I was when I was young. When when we started having kids, everyone says, "Oh, time flies by. Enjoy it while you can." And you really, I get it. You 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 got a newborn. You you got a small kid. You don't get it. You feel like the days just go forever. And then, my gosh, suddenly it's like, "Oh, we got to go on a college tour." How on earth? How on earth? Goodness. Okay. Got to move on. You know, so I spent some time on this yesterday. One of the problems we as a nation have is that we have gotten the basics uh, wrong. The, The government can't get the basics right. The government can't do anything competently, it seems. Here's another example. The U.S. military. They blew up a guy in Syria. Said he was a senior Al Qaeda figure. And now they're walking back the claim. The dead man's family says he was just tending his sheep. He's a goat herder, had no ties to the terrorists. Now, we don't know which is true, but the military is walking back all of their claims on this now, 
saying, ah, we might not have been Al-Qaeda. We, we got somebody. We got some goats, too. Got some barbecued goats now. But he might not have been Al-Qaeda after all. Good Lord, you killed a dude who was a goat farmer. But also this, uh, the Pentagon now says it misbudgeted $3 billion in the war on Ukraine. And so it turns out they don't have to go to Congress yet to get more money. They, they've got $3 billion they thought they didn't have, and so they're not going to go to Congress, really. Does anyone really believe this? I mean, it's hard to believe. I mean, it, it's actually, it is not hard to believe that the Pentagon bureaucracy misallocated $3 billion. They do this all the time. What is hard to believe is that it's this $3 billion they misallocated, and they're like, our bad. No, we don't have to go get more money from Congress. We've got $3 billion extra dollars. We screwed up. Really? Really, guys? Are we really supposed to believe this? I, I have a hard time believing it. They can't get the basics right. They do not get the basics right. They don't get the basics of their funding right. They don't get the basics of the budgeting right. They don't get the basics of the arsenal right. They don't get the basics of sheep herder versus Al-Qaeda. How do you know? Well, one herds goats, the other blows people up. I, I can't tell from the drone. Is he? What, what's he doing with the goat? He, maybe he's Scottish. <laughs> I, we just, my goodness, we do, however, get the government that we deserve because, I mean, after all, people voted for this administration. The problem is that this level of broken incompetence transcends administrations. It's just part of our bureaucracy, and we've got to clean it up. We'll get to the whistleblowers from the FBI here in just a little bit. Right now, i got to get to Patriot Mobile and tell you if you want a cell phone provider that shares your values and supports the causes you care about, you can move your business to Patriot Mobile by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call them 972-PATRIOT. Why? Because not only do they share your values, but they fund the causes you care about, the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, uh, conservative parents battling wokes on school boards. They've been doing this so much that they're getting attacked by the left. And you get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell tower you're probably already using anyway. And you can even take your existing phone number to them. You don't need a new phone number. You just port your existing one over to them. You can call them if you want to talk to them, 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They're headquartered out of Dallas, Texas. They're good people who share your values, and they give you great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, an NRA member. If you have a lot of lines because you got multiple kids who need phones and you're paying for them, well, they can help you there too. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. If you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, they have a coverage map. You can click on it and see how good their 5G, their data, their voice is right at your house. You can take your phone number to them, and you're doing business with a company that shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you will do me a favor and text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, text it to 33777. Uh, you will find a link to my daily email, and I have posted my... Uh, interview with Tim Keller there. He passed away this morning. Uh, and if you subscribe to the podcast, you can find the link by texting Eric to 33777. We're going to repush that audio out as well um, so that you have access to my conversation with Tim Keller um, in the podcast, uh, your podcast app of your choice as well. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you've never heard of him. For a lot of people, uh, Tim Keller was a highly influential uh, Presbyterian minister. He operated the, the megachurch Redeemer in New York City and was a brilliant theologian. Some of the best books um, out there on theology have been written by Keller in the past several decades. He was just a machine at writing books. Uh, became a, a not fan, didn't know him very well, but became a, had a friendly relationship with him, texted back and forth, talked on the phone, uh, sat down with me for my interview uh, with him. He's been battling pancreatic cancer for, uh, I guess, three years battled pancreatic cancer. And went through a lot of treatments, um, has slowly uh, wound down, and uh, yesterday hospice was called in, and he died this morning. So you can text Eric to 33777 and either go to the show notes here, the email, or, or get the podcast. Now, let me go to the phones here, 877-973-7425. Brian, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh, just wanted to say... Uh praying for you and your wife and been doing Appreciate it for years, it. been listening to you for on WSB. But my main question for you is um, with Donald Trump being the lead runner of the Republican nomination, why are all these people taking shots at Ron DeSantis and not Trump? Yeah. Isn't it weird that uh, they're all going after DeSantis instead of Trump? Well, part of it is, you know, the media really wants Trump. They remember the ratings. They remember the revenue from having Trump be the Republican nominee. So it's a it's a financial thing there. I get it from the Trump team. I mean, the only guy who can give him a run for his money is DeSantis. Although if you look at the polling, uh, it, it doesn't doesn't seem like he's going to do it. Uh, I, I, I personally think he can and they do too, which is why they're firing at him. He's the only threat to Trump. So you got the media uh, wants Trump. Trump wants Trump and the Democrats want Trump. So together they're all working to stop DeSantis. And that should actually tell discerning Republicans everything they need to know. Uh, Bob, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. You always seem to find my hot buttons. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I've been having a rough week, so I'm going to go on a terror for a little bit. I All right, just just language morning, alert uh, here. We are on we're on family oh, friend, no, no, friendly no, no. radio. I, I, so. I, 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 yes, I understand. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, go I on haven't the had my margaritas yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the um, Disney. I read this morning. It's a hundred room facility event or hotel. It said they had $4,800 for, I believe it was two people for two nights, and that's required. That's your immersion experience. Now, I thought about that, and I said, well, how much for the kids? And if how many parents just or two adults go there without their kids? So you're talking maybe seven, $8,000 for a two-night stay and mm -hmm. something like that? And yeah. in this environment and climate, with costs and salaries and and uh, just being concerned about what's going on in our country and the economy, how many people are going to spend that kind of money? And then you have to wonder, what executives thought through this before they built the hotel? Mm -hmm. And that relates to the other events and things they're talking about. Did they not look at what they think the economy is going to be like, who they're going to put have in office? What policies they're going to support? Uh, how is that going to impact their business? And what really gets me is I've owned Disney stock for years, and I thought about selling it. 
And I said, nope, I'm going to keep it just so I can be a pain in the you-know-what and harass him if I go to an investor's meeting. Uh, you, you, so, you know, Bob, you bring this up. My buddy Scott Reifen, who is the uh, head of head, talk down at uh, WGIG in Brunswick, Georgia, He's a big Disney fan, goes on Disney uh, tours a lot, and he had a great thread yesterday. Now, for those of you who don't really understand what Bob and I are talking about, Disney built this hotel. It's only 100 rooms. It's called the Galactic Cruiser, and the whole thing is you yes. you get on this Galactic Cruiser. You pay $6,000 for a family of four. The rooms are okay. incredibly small, and you, it's a completely immersive experience. You stay on this thing for two days. As if you're you're assigned a role, you're either part of the Rebel Alliance, you're part of the Imperial Forces. Um, but what was so notable, what Scott Riven put out is it, when you go to Disney, and everyone I know who goes to Disney, they go and they got a game plan. We're going to see this and this and this and this and this, and we're going to show up early. We're going to enjoy ourselves, but but it's going to be thoroughly exhausting. We're going to have a lot of fun. And what this Galactic Cruiser plays to is the family who wants to show up, have no agenda, lounge around on a ship, and and not do anything. And that's the minority of people who go to Disney. So you're asking people to pay $6,000 to participate in, in a two-day role-play re- relaxation session when the people who go to Disney actually want to go, they want to see the Millennium Falcon, they want to see the Magic Kingdom, they want to see Epcot, they want to go to the Animal Animal Kingdom. It flat out contradicts the type of people who go vacation at Disney. Um, it well, made I no found, sense to begin with. I found if I'd like an immersion experience, I'd rather spend the money, and I've been fortunate to be able to go on two cruises. And the nice thing about that is it is a, a full experience, you get to see a lot of new things, and if you buy the right package, it includes the drinks. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I, I, I mean, like we, we got the Disney cruises for the people who want to lounge around and do nothing. Um, yeah, well, I, I, that's, I, true. that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, by the way, so a buddy of mine went on a Disney cruise a couple of weeks ago, and, and the ship broke. And uh, he, he's it was like a seven-day cruise, and it wound up being like three days. And he's like, they're giving me 20% off my next cruise. Why won't they give me 20% off this cruise? Uh, he's a little mad yep. at him to begin with. Uh, well, well, look, so I appreciate you're it. not going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'll, he's, he's trying to pester him for more. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to talk about also, you know, gas stoves. I, 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 they talk about, well, this is harmful. It's kids, respiratory problems. Well, they it, studies have shown that. But. The building code requires one thing, a vent hood. And right. if you use the vent hood, that's a mute problem. Yes. Then, yeah. Then so they what about, they leave out of this study, when they talk about breathing and stuff, the, the, the actual environments where they show it gives people breathing problems is they p- leave the gas stove on with no ventilation. They, they literally put them in a confined space with no space. ventilation and yep. say, look, it's yep. causing breathing problems. It's so stupid. Well, listen, y'all are listening well, to the Bob and Eric show today. <laughs> well, I got I got one more. And it All right, I'm going to let you go, Bob. All right, go for it. Government regulation. Uh, the other is ethanol and gasoline. Um, mm-hmm. Ethanol does, in fact, when you put it in the gas, reduce those emissions out of the tailpipe. It more you put in, the less your gas mileage is. And when you look at the overall cycle for the production of the gasoline versus the production of gasoline with ethanol in it, the hydrocarbons generated by ethanol 
augmented gas is higher in total than if you just burn gasoline. Mm-hmm. Now, point is, is with with government regulations, and there's a big issue about should there was a bill I believe that came up that regulations ought to be passed in the House or by Congress, and that the EPA and others agencies just come up with regulations without any direct oversight. And I agree with that. But why the heck don't they write these laws so that it's more restrictive or defined? I blame our Congress. They're, you know, yeah. they, 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 they aren't doing the full analysis and job of what really is for the benefit of people. So, okay, so there, there's actually an answer to this. And, and Bob, I'm going to let you go there. I hope you enjoy your margaritas. It's been great to chat with you. Um, so there's this thing called the Chevron Doctrine. And its days may be numbered before the Supreme Court because Brett Kavanaugh, John Roberts, and Neil Gorsuch have for years, years before going on the Supreme Court, hated the Chevron Doctrine. The Chevron Doctrine allows Congress to be lazy. What the Chevron Doctrine says, and it comes from a famous case called Chevron versus National Resource Defense Council. And what it, the what the Chevron case doctrine says is that courts must give deference to an agency's interpretation of a vaguely worded congressional statute. So Congress writes a law, and it does a poor job of drafting the law. It goes to a federal agency, and the agency pronounces, this is how we interpret this vaguely worded law no one understands. And then the courts have to say, oh, well, agency, we're going to now, we're going to embrace your interpretation. Whatever you say it is governs. Here's the problem, because the regulation is not the law. The regulatory interpretation can change over time. So you get a bunch of progressives in and suddenly say, well, we read the law differently than the last administration. And the courts have to say, well, now you read it differently. We got to read it differently, too. It, It becomes a way for agencies to acquire powers Congress might not have intended to give them, and also it allows Congress to write terribly worded pieces of legislation knowing that the bureaucrats are going to take over and interpret it. That's why we're in the situation we're in, Bob, is because Congress writes terribly worded legislation and allows the EPA to interpret it however the EPA wants. And guess what? The EPA and every other agency is always going to interpret a poorly written law to maximize their own power which is what's happened. So John Roberts, when he was on the Court of Appeals, Brett Kavanaugh, when he was on the Court of Appeals, and Neil Gorsuch, when he was on what was the 8th or the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals out in Colorado, all of them have written for years that the Chevron Doctrine is bad because it encourages Congress to write poorly written laws and encourages agencies to interpret those poorly written laws to maximize their own power. And the result is that a lot of people have to comply with a lot of regulations that are dubious as to their legality, and they want to get rid of it. Well, now there's a case the Supreme Court is going to hear uh, called uh, Looper Bright. This case is absurd. And by the way, for those of you who are Trump fans, Donald Trump did this. This this is absurd. Uh, Obama started it, and Trump ratified it. So... There's a uh, lobster, lobster fisherman in New England. And uh, the Commerce Department of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, they've been concerned that the lobster fishermen are overstepping uh, their bounds in the sea. 
So what they've done is they put monitors on the boats, that is, human beings who monitor the fishing activities of the fishermen. Well, Congress didn't appropriate money for these monitors. So the Commerce Department is telling the fishermen they must pay for the monitors, $700 a day per boat. The fishermen don't make that much. So the fishermen are having to take their money out of pocket, pay these federal officials to be on boats with them who observe them fishing, spy on them, and report back to Washington, D.C. And so these fishermen, Mr. Looper and Mr. Bright, are suing uh, the EPA or suing the Department of Commerce, saying this is absurd, Congress never intended this, and the Commerce Department actually uh, was paying for this, didn't have the budget, and now they're making us pay for this, and that wasn't what Congress would have intended. And it's all about the Chevron Doctrine. The uh, NOAA has interpreted the provision to say that the fishermen can pay for the monitors. And there's nothing that can plausibly be argued that that's the way to interpret it, but that's how they're doing it. And it, by the way, it was the Trump administration that ratified this regulation. The Obama administration began it, but the Trump administration put it into writing and codified it into the Code of Federal Regulations. It's absurd that they did this. It was Wilbur Ross when he was the Secretary of Commerce, and now this is going to the Supreme Court, and it could very well gut the Chevron Doctrine, and that would be a very good thing because of an overreach of the Trump administration. Now, uh, the, the market's kind of not doing well today. The Dow down almost 200 points, NASDAQ has to be down. Why? Because Republicans are signaling that the debt ceiling talks are breaking down, causing market turmoil. If you're tired of the market turmoil affecting your portfolio, you might be able to use precious metals to even out the ebbs and flows. Advantage Gold might be able to help you. You can call them 800-450-2566. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company, seven years in a row. They got the best prices and staff. They got a fantastic IRA department. They can guide you, educate you, and get you the precious metals. You can call them at 800-450-2566. Get a free gold IRA investment kit. That is 800 800- 450-2566, Advantage Gold, wants to be your partner in using precious metals for your portfolio, and they can teach you the rules for compliance for our IRAs and 401ks, 800-450-2566. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of the program. Um, very happy to have you. You know, I mentioned the reparations issue yesterday. It, it generated some, well, some angry responses from people. I stand by my belief that the reparations were paid in blood on a battlefield, but we have Florida man sighting today. We got a Florida man sighting. All this nonsense, homelessness, and all this other garbage y'all talk about, police violence and all this stuff, don't nobody care about that. Don't nobody real care about that. We care about our reparations. And we have to put white people on notice that we want our reparations, that our four parents and us, we didn't work for free and underpaid and all this nonsense. And the white folks get away with it. And they talk about the great city they're building. No, we want our reparations. Three million dollars per person. Three million dollars per person right here in this city. That's the only thing black people got to care about. All this other little nonsense y'all talk about, we do not care about. Florida man having a moment. <laughs> we we don't care about police brutality. 
We don't care about crime. We don't care about educating our kids. We care about $3 million for each of us. That's what we want. $3 million for each of us. We want our reparations. Who is, this is such a deeply destructive idea. And of course, I, I think the left knows that it's deeply destructive and and will tear apart the country. The left these days seems to want to break apart everything they don't care for, including this country. Look at the attacks on the Supreme Court, the attacks on the Senate, the attacks on Dianne Feinstein, the attacks on, on, on the country as a whole. Um, this is where we are, a deeply, deeply destructive ideology and an embrace of an idea that is not feasible, not, not viable, not fundable, uh, not practical in any way, shape, or form, but they don't care. They're, they're feeding dreams to people. It's like the people who think they're on the verge of winning the lottery, and they go out and they spend a bunch of money, and they get further in debt, and then they don't win the lottery. Uh, and, and here you got these people. This, this dude, literally, we, we, we want our $3 million. Where did he come up with that number? $3 million per person? I had the guy yesterday, nice enough guy, very nice guy, but, but once... What's part of the GDP of the country for, for black Americans says we wouldn't have gotten to this GDP, but for slave labor, um, I, I think it's a misreading of history. And I think that uh, soldiers died on a battlefield 150 years ago, over 300,000 of them to uh, make the reparations payment. It was paid in blood like Christ on the cross for our sins. It was union soldiers on the battlefield spilling their blood uh, to liberate people. Uh, are we a perfect nation? No. Have we progressed as a nation? Absolutely. And yet all of a sudden, after we've had our first black president, now suddenly it's like everything is terrible and everyone is racist and the country. So I assure you, if the country was as bad as you think, Barack Obama would have never gotten elected president, let alone Kamala Harris as vice president of the United States. And yet here we are, a nation of victims who want to be victimized and, and want their $3 million. When we come back, we got to talk about the FBI agents and about the new attack on, of all people, Ron DeSantis' wife. 